0: This is The Thomas Guide, your roadmap for navigating the world. With your guide, John Thomas, political savant, world-class analyst, and culture critic. No need to Google directions, just buckle up and enjoy the ride. This is The Thomas Guide, with your host, John Thomas.
1: No discipline, no plan, no strategy. Kamala Harris's campaign is in complete meltdown, and Politico gave a hell of a scoop. I'll break that down, and my conversation today with Bill Handel on the air. Stay Welcome tuned. back to a Friday's episode of The Thomas Guide. It's a late release, and I'm embarrassed to say I didn't record a podcast on Thursday. That's the campaign life. I will try my damnedest not to skip day, but sometimes uh, the the campaign work just literally sidetracks me that there's absolutely no way I can make it to a microphone uh, because we're just jamming out so much campaign work. But I didn't want to go two days in a row. So here's what I want to do today. I uh, first want to cover this brilliant story that was written in Politico about Kamala Harris, and I'll give you my two cents on it. And then I want to play my segment that I did with Bill Handel today at KFI AM 640, because he and I actually had a pretty spirited debate about the impact of impeachment, what I think of it so far, the job the Republicans are doing, the job Democrats are doing. Uh, I think it was really healthy and productive discussion. So of course, I want you to enjoy that as well. So let's start with Kamala Harris. There's an article that just broke this evening in Politico uh, that. the headline is no discipline, no plan, no strategy, quote, um, Kamala Harris campaign in meltdown. And the subhead is campaign manager Juan Rodriguez is taking the most heat for the failings, but his defenders point their finger at the candidate's sister, Maya Harris. OK, the, the article, I'm not going to go through too much in this, but. The article says Kamala Harris's campaign is careening towards a crack up. And essentially what it's all about is the rift going on between the campaign. And it really brilliantly lays out um, all of the challenges that they've had from an organizational standpoint. And these are many of the same challenges that, that I have been explaining on the podcast now for several months, which is first, the candidate is the problem. It doesn't go too much into this, but it, it talks about how the candidate's kept at the dark and campaigns start and stop with good candidates. And if there's not a good candidate at the top, kind of everything falls apart. The problem Kamala Harris has had, she's failed upwards. Uh, she shouldn't have been elected. Uh, well, she got elected for DA in, in San Francisco, which is not a big city. Because of her former lover, Willie Brown, who is uh, the godfather of Democratic politics, some say in California, but certainly in San Francisco. So, Willie kind of snapped his fingers, got her elected, and she fit the part from an identity level to get elected as DA. Then she wasn't supposed to win Attorney General in California. She was, in fact, uh, running behind Steve Cooley, who was the popular LA County DA Republican, uh, until Steve Cooley. Uh, Well, a couple things happened. Steve Cooley made a fatal mistake, which was uh, he had a debate and he was asked if he was going to double dip taking two pensions, both his uh, pension from being a DA, the DA, as well as a pension AG would offer. And instead of just saying, I haven't decided, I'm not sure or yes, um, he paused and said, yes, uh, I, uh, you know, the low, low, low salary that the DA has enjoyed. I've earned that pension. Well the low low salary is like three hundred seventy five thousand dollars a year by anyone's standard that ain't low uh and so Kamala ran that attack ad in the home stretch, pulled Steve down compa- compounded with Meg Whitman, the former CEO of eBay uh, was running at the top of the ticket, and she had a problem with her illegal uh undocumented uh <laughs> illegal nanny uh, that held a press conference, and Meg impl- Loaded at the very end of the campaign, dragging the entire Republican ticket down with her below, causing Steve to lose by Steve Cooley to lose by less than one tenth of a point. In fact, on election night, Steve Cooley won the AG's race. But as late returns came in, became ever more clear that Kamala Harris was uh, going to be the victor. In fact, Steve dominated in the vote by mail period because when the vote by mail period happened, the news about Meg Whitman had not hit. And uh, anyway, so Kamala should never have won Attorney General. Then she waltzed into U.S. Senate. Didn't have a race really at all, although she had a technically race, but she waltzed in, measuring the drapes to be the Democratic nominee uh, for president in 2020. Uh, The problem she's had, as I've documented, was her campaign team from the outset was flawed. Her strategist, a Smith, He's a very smart guy based out of Sacramento, or excuse me, San Francisco, uh, runs every, pretty much every heavyweight uh, Democrat statewide dem in California. Doesn't really do anything outside of California. So he knows how to win races in California. Keep your head down. Don't say anything. Uh, run the most telegenic uh, Democrat who kind of looks and feels like the electorate. Raise money, go up on TV, and that's it. That's not how you win a presidential contest. There are just so many more dynamics, particularly an active press corps. In California politics, there's and all local politics, there's not a hugely active press corps for most races. Uh, there is in this one. You have to fight to break out of the pack, to compete against a bunch of other candidates. Uh, when you make a gaffe, it will kill you and actually uh, suffocate you in a news cycle. If you do that over and over again, it's really bad. Which interviews do you do? Where do you put the candidate's time? Uh, all of these decisions matter. Uh, and so that, I think, was combined with a bad candidate, was, were really the two fundamental flaws. But this article focuses on campaign manager Juan Rodriguez, uh, where basically people say the guy has no strategy and he really doesn't have authority because the candidate's sister, Kamala's sister, Maya Harris, is running the show. She's the default campaign manager. Here's the problem with that. Maya's no campaign manager. She's not a political operative. I'm sure she's been around her sister, but what the hell does that qualify her to manage a presidential effort? She can't tell the candidate bad news, probably not. She wouldn't even recognize until it's too late that bad news is coming because she just, a lot of what we do here is pattern recognition. It's seeing things a mile before they hit because we've seen them a hundred times before. If you're Maya Harris, how in, the, how in the world could you recognize the problems because you're not sure. So you're depending upon a Smith the consultant that's based out of San Francisco that has a lot of other clients to give you the guidance, which he's probably giving decent 30,000 foot advice, but he can't give day to day advice. Where's the candidate? What's the candidate doing today? What's the candidate saying on this news cycle? Like, just can't be that involved unless ace were full-time. But he's not full-time because the candidate campaign can't afford a guy like Ace Smith full-time. So what you needed to do is have somebody really seasoned as the campaign manager to kind of guide that process. So they installed Juan Rodriguez, who was uh, the campaign manager for her U.S. Senate race. And that, like I said, that wasn't really a race. So he didn't have the experience at a national level, nor at just running loads and loads of campaigns. He's business partners and works in the same shop as Ace Smith. So he's not really, um, some say that he couldn't tell truth to power because even if it was contradictory to Ace, he wasn't going to say that to protect his long-term uh, career prospects. And then he was kneecapped because he never really had an, any authority to do anything because My Harris had all the control. In fact, this article says that he still won't say a word sideways about Maya or her decisions, despite terrible decisions obviously being made. In fact, um, staff and aides say that a lot of these um, strategic shifts, uh, there's no rhyme or reason to them. Like It it never, um, there were layoffs and nobody understood why then all of a sudden they would catch people off guard. Like people just weren't kept in the loop and no one even internally was articulating to the people on the ground of what their path out of the hole was. Um, And uh, so I think you've got uh, like a compounding issue, which is um, you've got no power players and then you've got family running the, the, the ship. I've seen this happen many times. I have to deal with family members all the time. Sometimes they're very useful. sometimes they're more um, bad than good, because they take things personally, They don't have experience in campaigns or really at this high of a level. So oftentimes they value things that don't actually matter in the scheme of things. Uh, for instance, they obsess about, um, you know, lawn signs and bumper stickers and retail side of things rather than um you know fundraising or prepping for the debate or making sure the candidate um can deliver can deliver a uh, a soundbite um anyway it's it's aids according to the article as describe a bleak environment uh in which workers have started to openly question the judgment of managers after seeing colleagues marched out of the door um Remember, they've shut down the New Hampshire office. They've shut down their South Carolina office. Uh, It's just ugly. Now, uh, the problem you've got, this is the kind of article, I mean, I've said for a long time Kamala Harris ain't going to be the nominee, but this is the kind of strife that goes on any time an organization is about to collapse. This is, when I see this article, I I saw some people on Twitter saying, this is BS, this isn't right, this isn't isn't accurate. Uh, I believe it. I completely believe it. I've because everybody's turning on one another. It 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 makes perfect sense um, why uh, why Kamala's imploding based upon the organization that was built around her and the problems uh, with the candidate. Uh, So you bring in inexperienced campaign manager, then you kneecap them with really no no ability to hire, fire, make real decisions. By bringing in an amateur, let's call Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris's sister an amateur because that's what she is to run a presidential level organization driven by consultants out of San Francisco that are not full time that are used to running California campaigns. Oh, yeah, that's a formula for success. So um, the conclusion of the article was <laughs> wrong, in my opinion. Uh, well, at least the some of the key take. Uh, Hot takes. Uh, One was, uh, one quote said, the whole campaign has been a bunch of people sitting around a table giving opinions and then not backing them up when it comes down to it. Okay, people had opinions, but it sounds like there was no clear leadership from experienced people. And the last thing is, the quote was, the apparatus wasted her, being Kamala's talent, more than she blew it. So they're blaming the organization more than a bad candidate. Oh, no, no, no. It is a bad candidate and a, and, a, and a bad organization. But do not, do not let Kama off the hook here. She is so to blame for, gosh, I'd say 80%, 70, 80% of the problems with the campaign. Um, so that's that. I would, I would encourage you to look at this article, article in Politico. Now let's get to my clip with Bill Handel from KFI's AM640 um it's it's worth a listen let's roll it uh,
0: john thomas is with us thomas guide to politics uh the social media at the thomas guide and his podcast the thomas guide strangely enough all right john good morning good morning haven't seen you in a bit good to see yeah ha- yeah we haven't been face to face in a bit okay obviously we're gonna cut right to the impeachment hearings and uh it's two separate hearings it's I mean, it's, yes, it's, it's yeah. true. Adam Schiff. I'll tell you where I'm going to give Adam Schiff some credit. At least he is talking about who's in front of him.
1: All <laughs> well, right? well, he's arranging the chairs.
0: Yeah, so yeah. he is. But it's uh, you know, for example, he refers to Marie Ivanovich, <laughs> and he referred specifically to Kent and Taylor yesterday. Whereas Devin Nunez, they're not even there. It's a hoax. It's the Democrats. Look at the steel.
1: um. Uh, the portfolio or uh, the uh, steel dossier, and it's uh, well, it, well. There was a little bit more message discipline, I think, for the Republicans than we've seen before on day one. Prior to the the beginning of the the hearings, the Republicans' attack was simply on process. Uh, now they have a process uh, attack, but it's starting to shift. They have, I think, they unveiled three points. Uh, one was um, you heard the transcript. There's no quid pro quo. The second was that the president of Ukraine said he was not aware of uh, any pro quo. Which, by the way, has been proved
0: separately. I mean, it's been proved that he was aware. or At least Ukrainian officials were aware.
1: Uh, Well, I think they were nuancing it, saying the president said he wasn't aware. uh, Okay. Um, But but anyway, so they they have a little bit more substantive attack. But what I found interesting was the difference in tone uh, between the Republicans and the Democrats. Because, Bill, let's be honest, for both sides. This is pure politics and all about optics. Both sides know in the House that there is zero chance of confirmation yeah, in the Senate. Know, of course. So what are they really doing? I don't it know. For? I don't it's understand for, it's it. It's for politics. So that, so Schiff on the on and the Democrats are taking a more sobering monotone. Trying to project this yeah. is very serious, and by the way, I'm not enjoying this, even though Schiff is loving every Of course, and then the Republicans are amping up the tone right. because they're trying but to here- show that this is this is outrageous. Okay, but
0: here is a difference, and this is where I think Schiff has more credibility, even though you talk about bias. He talked about three uh, Ukrainians as the three amigos. <laughs> right. Man, I like that one. Okay, <laughs> it's a little bias, uh, Congressman, <laughs> uh, but. Uh, what the Republicans, at least uh, uh, Nunez is doing, is staying away from anything related to what actually happened. It's all about the Democrats setting this up. It's all about a well, hoax. And it's that- all about how uh, it doesn't matter. And he's right. It doesn't matter what the Democrats put in front of you. We don't care about anything the president did. It's a hoax from the beginning. So don't pay attention. Just
1: look at the Democrats. Well, because for a couple of reasons. Uh, first. Just politically speaking, uh, I'm not going to talk about if it's right or it's wrong. Just politically speaking. uh, That's smart of the Republicans to do, because if you're defending on and you're playing ball with all of these second and third hand accounts, you're losing because it's your congressman's word against uh, a a supposed neutral state official, uh, State Department official. The problem you have here is it is it is a loser for Republicans if they go down that road because the, the, the hearings feel, by and large, Bill, it's like a game of telephone. It's like, well, secondhand account, right. thirdhand accounts. Yeah. And then they're gauging intent, presidential intent based upon There's thirdhand a, accounts.
0: There's a problem, though. The people who actually heard the president are testifying next week. Yeah, oh, now so it's going to be closed sure. hearings. I can't wait for the right. Republicans to say this is secondhand information. Uh, no, I was on the phone line. This is right. what I heard. So that has to sh- it, that it, has to shift also, next week.
1: I think it's you're right. That may be that may be a significant turn. It's also challenging to sort it out. Uh, if you're a viewer, if you're truly, uh, if you're not partisan and you're yeah. trying to sort this thing out, and you're actually paying attention, which is a very small small yeah. segment of Americans, uh, but sorting out the diff the State Department officials, a lot of their gripes is that they don't like how the president handled it. It's almost like a State Department official going. Well, that's not how it's supposed to be done versus is that an impeachable offense? Yeah, no, I so don't it's, think
0: this, it's I agree. I mean, the state. But here's the difference. OK, and uh, obviously I'm uh, going against the president on this one. And there are times when for those of you who think I'm a, a never Trumper, by the way, you're not uh, a never Trump. Yeah, with the, with uh, the president just did with uh, transparency, with the medical field, which I'll probably talk about uh, Monday. Uh, Barack Obama didn't come close to doing what the president did in the right way. So uh, that, that's Monday. But here is uh, why I think uh, the, the president and the Republicans are dead wrong. Uh, what Schiff is arguing, the shakedown happened. The shakedown happened. I mean, there, it's, it's hard to argue that it didn't when you put all the pieces together. And I've said this before. It's like a mafia boss being tried for conspiracy, ordering murder, and all he said is, take care of it. When everybody, and then the guy dies. And he said, take care of it 15 times and 15 people died. I never said that you should actually do it. That's what's going on now. That's the way I view it. An absolute shakedown. Now, the Republicans can't argue that. They can't argue the facts. It's impossible.
1: What are they? It, it- well, they're arguing the facts, Bill. You're you're gauging intent. It's not a bad take that you have, but you are you are gauging intent, whether it's a mob boss or it's Donald Trump. All right, well, let me ask the the, the, the Republicans are saying the president, who, who the only person that actually can tell us his intent, said there was no quid pro quo. The aid was transferred, and the president yeah. said there was no quid pro quo. So the, actually, the Republicans are arguing right. the hard facts. You are saying, yes, but let's call a spade a no, spade. That's no, no. That's the doesn't, difference. It doesn't,
0: change, it doesn't change the shakedown. If I threaten you with death, okay, or I threaten you with something, and it doesn't happen, therefore, there was never a threat. That's what the Republicans are arguing. Because I threaten aid, because I withhold aid, I say, do us a favor. Uh, we want you to investigate Joe Biden. Then the aid comes through. That proves I never said investigate Joe Biden. See, that's the problem. But you know what? That's, that's minutiae. You and I are arguing. Now I want to go into politics. Oh, yeah. What does this mean? And uh, I'm going to take the worst case scenario with uh, Donald Trump, what could happen? Mm-hmm. Worst case, not that it's going to, and then ask you, now what? And I already have a feeling what you're going to say. <laughs> All right, I'll be back with that with John Thomas. This is KFI AM. And welcome back, everybody. Handle here. It is a Friday morning, November 15th. And uh, we're talking of the impeachment hearing, which is now back on schedule. And Ambassador uh, Marie Ivanovich, former ambassador to Ukraine. Is uh, testifying again. She's the only witness today, and uh, it's uh, so far the uh, the Democrats. Adam Schiff have made damn sure that the only people in front of the committee are anti-Trump people, or who can give anti-Trump testimony. I don't think she's particularly anti-Trump, other than on a political level. I think she thinks that Trump treated her like crap. And she
1: sounded a little disgruntled, but I don't yeah, think yeah. she's a never-Trumper. Yeah,
0: not in the least. Yeah. But uh, so John Thomas is here. And John, I'm going to throw at you the worst case scenario that could happen for Donald Trump. And that is everybody believes that he, uh, in fact, was involved with the shakedown. These are all the
1: testimony. Yeah,
0: that he that people believe it. Even uh, people, everybody on the Hill, Republicans know that he did what he's accused of. Does it change anything? And I'm specifically talking about not Trump followers. That's never going to change. Not Adam shift people, it's never going to change. But that middle ground, which is so necessary, is the voter going to look at this and is going to is that needle going to move at all?
1: I don't think so. Just see, say, and, and, I, and, I knew and, you and, would and, say that. But, <laughs> but, Bill, but here's why. Um, remember. We're, we're sitting here and we're following every twist and turn and we're listening. To, you know, we're listening to the testimony and we have a good idea of what's going on. Your average American, the, the ones that decide these, con- especially presidential contests. They're at work right now, Bill, yeah, but they're, <laughs> they're, they're not they're hearing this cloud, but it's it's all it's all noise on both sides. And the, the problem is it's this is much like the Russia, uh, the Mueller investigation is as shocking as some of it may have been. It's not aligning with what the electorate actually cares about. It's like um, in political messaging and polling, we test hits and we, we measure the effectiveness of a hit but generally the hit is not effective even if people say they care about it if it doesn't align with their top 3 issues of what they what makes them tick what they're concerned about so this is not talking about the economy last time i checked right this is not talking about fixing healthcare last time i checked right um so that's the issue is i don't think it's going to resonate especially it will probably be over before the new year yeah so, mm-hmm. so bill in a mere 2024 20, news hour cycle we're already on in the next thing so, you're telling me that voters are
0: going to remember. I'm going to ask. And if they're going to remember, and this, and maybe no, Democrats it becomes cu-
1: will, Democrats will spend money. Yeah. And, and, it, remind and you. I'm assuming
0: it becomes cumulative, or maybe not. This maybe is- everything is in, is independent of the previous uh, news so, so cycle. To,
1: to me, this is pure and simple based insurance of base turnout for Democrats. And it, incre- it, it guarantees the Democrats' money machine. The small dollar donors continue to give because. Uh, they're setting up the narrative that this president is so corrupt, he's so guilty. Right. But uh, it's those corrupt Republicans in the U.S. Senate that won't do the right thing. So therefore, Democrat, you know, we've got to vote this jerk out of office in 2020. And they're going to use through small donor fundraising. They're going to use that saying, "We need another five dollars because we've got to stop those evil, corrupt Republicans and do what they wouldn't do." It's it's a money machine,
0: Bill. Yeah, and in the end, I'm I'm thinking uh, that it, it, you know it goes back to uh, what the president said even before he was elected, and that is I could shoot someone in broad daylight on uh, on Fifth Avenue or whatever he said, and it, and I have
1: to tell you, I thought he was crazy when he said that. <laughs> uh, he's right on. But, but but it also remember it just reflects our short attention span as the electorate. Let's not forget, Bill. In 2016, remember when President Trump attacked a Gold Star family? Yeah. You remember
0: that? And what the outrage like, was. And was, John, and John was McCain for not being a hero.
1: Unbelievable outrage. You would think that, we'll say, well, well, the Republicans and the Democrats would have wound that up all the way to the finish. That wasn't part of the closing message. We, we were so past that because of the hurricane right. that is Trump and our political side. So
0: the bottom line is, uh, and tell me if I'm right on this, it's the economy.
1: That's it. That's it.
0: That's it. If the economy stays the way
1: it does, uh, it, the president's gonna be very hard to beat. That and who the Democrats nominate. If, yeah. they, if they nominate a Warren or Sanders, it's very difficult for them to to make a, a better argument than Trump can make. If they nominate a do no harm Democrat who can run a good campaign, which I'm questioning Biden. If he even if he were the nominee, I'm questioning whether or not he could even run the effort hey. necessary. But if they can do that, then maybe they
0: have a stand. All right. So uh, your opinion. And that is two, two things. Number one, the economy has to go south and I'm assuming it has to be a moderate. I'm not Donald Trump candidate. Yes. And that's it. That's it. Pretty simple. I hate
1: to simplify it. To no, that, but I think make, that makes sense, sense to me. Right. And, and the rest is, you know, talk radio fodder, uh, fundraising fodder and the politics of self-interest. Everybody knows why Adam Schiff, this is good for Adam Schiff. Yeah. It's a big win for it puts Adam Schiff. We might as well call him Senator Schiff. Cause that's where he's headed because of this. So, It's it's the politics of self-interest all along the way. All right, John.
0: As always, thanks very much. Uh, The podcast is The Thomas Guide. Uh, His website is theTguy.com. Oh,
1: and we didn't do the disclaimer.
0: Oh, yeah. Disclaimer. Uh, John is a raving, frothing (laughs) Republican, gun-toting, just (laughs) right-wing fanatic. Uh, But he is, and he's a a strategist for uh, Republican candidates. Uh, But not here. But not here. Here you are an analyst. And you do look at both sides. And so disclaimer is in. Thank you mm-hmm. for reminding me. Coming up, Neil Savatra. Uh-
1: well, there you have it. That was my weekly segment with Bill Handel on KFI. I hope you enjoyed our discussion. I ch- I'm cherry picking. Of course, you can always catch all of my hits with Bill every Friday, either live on the air or on the iHeart uh, Media app live at nine, nine to nine thirty Pacific on Fridays. Or of course he puts it on his full show podcast You got to kind of hunt it, hunt it down there. Uh, but when I think a conversation is especially good, I will replay it on our podcast. So thanks for listening to another week of the Thomas guide. You can find me of course on Twitter at the Thomas guide. Uh, if you really like what you're hearing and you're listening on iTunes, for instance, leave me a review. I'd really, Truly appreciate that. It's a great way for other people to learn about the podcast and decide whether it's worth a listen. So thanks for doing that. Of course, you can go to com. That's a place you can see all of our episodes and um, find me on Facebook. I'm sure there'll be plenty to talk about over the weekend. I'm going to be catching a jet plane to D.C. and New York uh, this coming week. But fear not. I will be in the belly of the beast during the inquiry and I will be doing the podcast every dang day. And then I come back and then I'm turning directly around and I'm going to Iowa for just a few days because I want to look at these Democratic candidates directly in the eye and I'm going incognito, not as a Republican strategist, but as a press person. Got the credentials, the whole kit. I'm going to go, I'm going to say hello to these candidates. Maybe I'm going to bring my recorder and see if I can get a couple of them to come on the show. And uh, let's see what they have to say <laughs> about the both their message, the state of their campaign. And we'll see if they stick on message because that's always fascinating to me. Thanks for listening. This has been another episode of The Thomas Guy.